Welcome to Sex and Intimacy with Mary Jo Rapini, the place where you can leave your baggage at the door and learn new and exciting ways to keep it hot with the one you love. And don't forget, send me all your questions and comments because I want to talk about them on the air. Send them to maryjoerapini.com or tweet me at maryjoerapini. Dating. We're talking about dating. Everything you ever wanted to know about dating. I'm Mary Jo Rapini, and this podcast is going to be for men and women who are on the dating scene, in the dating scene, uh, with someone they don't know quite how to work things out with. And I have joining me today Maria Todd, and Maria Todd is a famous um, radio anchor as well as other things in the Houston area actually all over aren't you maria oh gosh you are so kind why actually, don't I'm a you friend a- of mary joe's <laughs> why don't you but talk yeah about i've been yourself. on various radio stations uh throughout the houston area and also in buffalo new york which is where i grew up and then also on the west coast in san francisco california right and maria just so the the listeners will understand you are basically with someone with someone for a long time so your advice and your comments today are going to be mostly experience or things you've heard or what? Mary Jo's the doctor. I'm just the, <laughs> I'm the comedy relief. But I guess like I, I represent real life experience. Yes. I'm going to talk about things that I've gone through in the dating scene. Okay, okay. And the first thing I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit was, you know, I hear so many women now that and and a few guys, but mostly women saying, where are all the good guys? And I, you know, there's so many neat guys that I can't imagine they're having a hard time. They get attracted to the wrong kind of guy or they, you know, what do you think it is? Do you think women that you talk to are pickier or what's happening? What do you think's going on? I think it's a combination of things. I think part of it is that maybe we can set the bar a little too high. You know, all those romantic comedies that we watch where guys are just going to get you. You're going to meet really cute. Most people just meet normal. You meet at work or you meet you know, on the bus or something. It's not your dog's got, you know, entwined at the park and you <laughs> fell into the guy's arms and he happened to look like Bradley Cooper. I mean, it's that's that's not realistic. It's, it's people that you meet through your other friends or even right. your mom setting you up sometimes that's actually right. works out. That's right. So a, a lot of times we want to turn our nose up at those kinds of things when your mom wants to set you up or your coworker wants you to meet her cousin. Mm-hmm. And I think you should be open. If you're, if you're dating and you're trying to find that person, I think that's the most important thing is just to be open to different types of situations to meeting different type of people maybe it's not the type of guy you imagined in your head that you would be with boy case in point my fiance is <laughs> i could if some you could not imagine a man further from what my idea of who i would be with was uh, it, it's we're like two negatives you know on a um on a camera i think you guys are cute they, together but we but fit together perfectly right, right but if i had only thought well he doesn't look a certain way he's not tall enough he's not this or that or his eyes aren't mm-hmm. this color we would have never met we i've never would have given him a chance to get to know me and i to get to know him and you know and the bliss that we have now six years later Right. And and how that whole thing has grown because you've been open and understanding. And, you know, you, you bring up something, Maria, that I think is so important because I, 
inside and, and what I see in my office, I really do think that people that can't find someone, many times it's because they forgot who they are. And they're, you know, they, they kind of stopped loving themselves, if you will. I, I hate, in a way, I hate using that word. But, but what I'm trying to tell you all is you have to understand who you are and you have to validate who you are. If you don't find yourself interesting, then it's going to be really hard to attract a person of interest for you. If you, you know, the first thing I always tell people or ask people is, you know, what I want to, what I want to know about you is what makes you interesting. Like what, what do you really like about yourself? If you start out with a long list of what you don't like about yourself, then those kind of women and men usually are going to be more picky in what they see in another person because you know we know that people that are critical of themselves it transfers and and basically they're critical of other people too and also like the things you heard about when you were a kid like if your parents picked on body parts like your tummy's too big or you know your thighs you're you're always going to be a thunder thighs those women many times they end up settling they end up being in a relationship just to have somebody rather than somebody that really treats them well or they're excited about or 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 really proud to be with and I think what we need to start out with is if you find that you're you're not able to find a man or there's nobody out there that you really want, first do that work where you actually start thinking about yourself, what it is about yourself that would attract the kind of person you want. To add on to that, I think also, I heard somebody say once, to be interesting, you have to be interested you have to be mm-hmm. interested in the world at large and in other things and in other people. You can't just, you know, always expect people to come to you or, you know, that this person's going to show up for you. You have to get out there and you have to be interested in a lot of other different things. If you work your plan, if you do the things that you like, if it's sports, if it's crafting, if it's going, yes, there are men that craft too. I hear you out there sneering already. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you go out and do things, if you're a person that likes to, to get out and be in the earth and do stuff and garden and so forth. And you go around and you do that. In the course of doing those things, you'll come across a lot of other people of the opposite sex that'll be interesting to you. And you guys will have something, that thing to start out in common. You never know how where that can lead you, how many other paths you can go down together. It turns out that you have, or you could have nothing else in common, but be interested in those things that you haven't been in, exposed to before. Boy, that's so true. And and I think things like um, joining singles groups at churches. Some some Fox viewer the other day asked me, Mary Jo, you know, what do I do? I'm 58. I want to meet men. Where do I go? Well, one of the first things I would do if I were single is I would join a church because most churches have a singles group and they will, and then at least you know you're going to have your faith in common. And that's a really strong base to start out with if you both believe in the same in the same God and the same faith, right away it's going to make it more solid for you. And I, I just want to remind all the listeners, please just tweet us, and you can t- tweet me at, at Mary Jo Rapini, or you can tweet Maria at Maria Todd, because we're waiting for your questions or anything you have to comment on that's going to really help. The other thing I was going to suggest, Maria, is if you're looking for a date, a really good place is to start thinking about where somebody you would be interested in would hang out. And you didn't you actually do that? Or did you go through that process you were telling me about once? Or 
<laughs> I, well, I always think that, you know, if, if I go someplace where I like things, like I like books, for example. Right. I, I love to read. This is going to be a lot harder in the future because now all this stuff is online. But I used to be at the bookstore a lot, and mm-hmm. I'd often meet people and get into conversations, you know, about books, just organic kind of conversations. Not that I was trying to meet some guy in the bookstore, but I just happened to be in the bookstore, and you're looking around just to see other people, and maybe somebody picks up a book that you're interested in too. Right. That talk, and then a lot of them have coffee shops, and so, you know, you can glide right over and have a cup of coffee and see this person in some light, good, strong light, like they have in a bookstore, <laughs> so that you know what you're getting. <laughs> we know it's, it's really fascinating because I was hearing a lot of my patients end up saying that, well, you know, we go to bars or we go to clubs. And the problem with that, I mean, that's all good because I, I think a lot of people love to dance and it's a good way to maybe meet and talk with people. But if you start dating with alcohol, you know, alcohol alters your mind and it alters your perspective and it alters your, you know, what what you think is okay. It censors you and where you may have inhibitions that are actually protective with alcohol, you're going to lose those. And you don't, if you're really looking for somebody and you're feeling bad about yourself and you get a couple of drinks, you may do things that you regret the next day. And and it is true that if, if those couples that meet with alcohol, there's not a lot of solid um, foundation to hold you together. It may work, but it usually doesn't. So if you're really looking for the right person, I you know things like going to a coffee shop or going to a bookstore are going to be much more effective than going to a bar or meeting up there. And this would be where I would throw in a word of caution about Halloween. Yeah, everybody's in masks. Everybody's dressed as their alter ego, in acting in ways that they would never act on a normal <laughs> Monday morning going to work. You're going to get to see. Not saying that that's a bad thing down the road, Mm -hmm. but I don't think you want somebody to see your freak flag flying the first day you meet them. Right. Because it's hard to back away from that after that. Exactly. All holidays have actually, um, you know, I get more questions about the holidays, uh, dating, like Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all of the, and, and, you know, they're all, every year we all go through this and there's always the office parties you know, all the holiday parties, how far do you go? What do you do? Is it okay to meet someone, one of the guests at a holiday party, especially, and hang out with them, especially when you're going to have your other colleagues there from work? And, you know, that's one of those things you really have to think about. You, I would much rather go to a work holiday party alone than with a guest that I was embarrassed about. Oh, Mary Jo is so right. I have a story about that. (laughs) (laughs) When I first moved to Houston, uh, my first job here, Mm -hmm. first holiday party, I had met somebody through work. Um, They worked for another company, and I had asked them to the Christmas party because I didn't want to go by myself. I had just gotten into town. I wasn't dating anybody. Well, he got laid off the week before the party. Oh, my goodness. Well, when I went to pick him up for the night that we were supposed to go, he was – already a little lit but at this point I wasn't going to tell him no I'm not going to take you I should have but I didn't (laughs) we go to this party there was an open bar he just kept slamming drinks slamming drinks slamming drinks and at one point I won a door prize I never win anything (gasps) there's one time I won a door prize and he jumps up and goes oh I'll get it for you and a flask falls out of his pocket oh my god slides across the floor right to the feet of the general manager I was mortified. I ran into the bathroom and like hid. <laughs> Did they remember that? Finally, one of my friends talked me out of it. It till the day I left that place. <laughs> 
there was always an employee that once it got around Christmas time would tell that story about, oh, well, your date can't be anywhere than Maria's date was. <laughs> you are better off going alone. And after that, I did go to some Christmas parties alone. And you can have a lot of fun, even though if it's all people you know from work, because somebody else is going to be single there. And you guys can pal around and make fun of other people's dresses. Yeah. Not to their face, because you have to work with them, but... <laughs> Well, you know, the problem that, I mean, I think that there's a whole etiquette for when you first go out with somebody. And I, you know, I, I basically tell you, remind people that the most important thing is when it's somebody you're going to go out with, probably the most important thing is to relax, relax and try to be as much yourself as possible. Because when you're uptight, you look uptight and you're not as much fun. You can't think as freely and it's a turnoff. So the the number one key with going out for the first time is to relax. And I think the second thing is, you know, I don't know if this has happened to you, Maria, before you got attached to Al, but many people tell me that dating now is like interviewing, that basically you're going out and you're trying to figure out in within five minutes if the person is employed if they're if they've got a good job and basically the guys are trying to figure out you know if you live alone and how receptive to (laughs) to intimacy you're going to be and so i think what's very important before you go out the first time is to really focus on this person being a peer you're not interviewing you're not trying to get something. You're, you're just going to go as a peer to understand, be curious, and to enjoy it. The, the Europeans all have a wonderful phrase, and, and what they re- really believe in is that when you go out, you're supposed to enjoy the experience. The, it seems like in our country, it's more about when you go out, there's an objective. You have to finish. And that's why many people turn off to dating. Like all of a sudden they don't want to go out at all because it's become so rigid for them. They they no longer can just go out and enjoy the experience. And I think the third thing is make yourself presentable. Like, you know, what I hear from women going out is that sometimes a guy will show up with a baseball cap on and flip-flops and this is their first date and you know if you wear those kind of clothes or let's say you're a lady and you um you come with your midruff open and maybe short shorts and flip-flops well you're basically telling this gentleman that this is what you want this is this is how you want to be taken and that's fine if you're going to meet up at the beach or at a picnic, but it might not be fine if you're going to, you know, be out with some of his well-established friends and you're going to a nice dinner. So I think how you present the first date is important. And it's good to have a place to go on the first time, something that's really interesting, going to be interesting for both of you. Maybe, maybe it can be low key, but it shouldn't involve a lot of other people, but it should be at a, at a public place. Yeah, definitely. One of the things I used to do is I would take my first dates to the same restaurant. Like I got to mm-hmm. know the manager. Right. And then he would know. So if I was in any kind of distress or felt uneasy because he would come by the table and, oh, how are you? You know, how are you guys doing? You know, and then kind of check in with me to know, you okay? Like there's nothing bad going on with this guy. That's really smart. And then 
you know, like the guy doesn't have to know that, you know, you've been there before. And this, I mean, you can mention to him that you've been there before, but he doesn't have to know that you have a relationship maybe with a bartender or, or a manager or somebody that's going to walk by and just kind of check and make sure that everything's going okay, that this dude hasn't slipped something in your drink or any of those kind of things. And I hate to bring that up, but unfortunately it's 2012 and that happens to people. Oh, I, I it sure does. I'm glad you did, Maria. And also I, I think what what women and men both have to understand is that you each take your own transportation. If it's a first time, and what we're seeing now a lot is is with, um, you know, you meet somebody online and it's a first meeting, don't ever go in their car. Like, make sure you take your own transportation to the place where you're going so that you'll be safe. And if the guy or the woman is really weird, you can escape. Yeah, you can get out of there because once you are trapped there, you're you don't know what's going to happen, and that's where it can really get um, chaotic. And we've seen that. I, you know, I got a call from a patient one time that told me that she um, she basically met this guy online, and the so for the first date they were going to meet in Colorado because I guess she had a home up there, or they they both had roots back there, so they were going to meet at this place in Colorado. Colorado. And the guy, I mean, this woman, first of all, took some crazy risks from my perspective. She met him and she went out with him. They were in a in a place together alone and they ended up going back to his place. He had a winter home there or something. And then he was so un, he was so bizarre sexually that he tried to take advantage of her and she was lucky she got out there, out of there. But those kinds of things do happen. And if you're not careful, you know, you can't always trust profiles and things like that that people put online. You can't really trust anybody after a first date. The The standard of care is you wait at least six months before you can say, I really know that person. Oh, yeah. Which none of us do anymore. When I think of it, I mean, I um, the normal... The normal times that some people date before they have intimacy or sex is three three dates. That's scary to me. I, I cannot imagine being okay that quickly with somebody um, possibly, con- you know, doing giving me a disease or, you know, just putting me in a unhealthy situation. Yeah, things move pretty fast. I think a part of it is the Internet because you establish a level of intimacy, really a false level of intimacy, mm-hmm. because, you know, with instant messaging and being able to reach out to people on Facebook and different social platforms, you can talk to them a lot more, a lot frequently. Oh, I've been talking to this person every day. You know, right. tw- I've been tweeting them every hour for the last three days. You feel like you know them better than you really do. And if you sit down and think, well, gee, I've only laid eyes on them and actually been in their presence X amount of time right. for three dates. It's maybe, you know, we went out for a couple hours, three hours three times, nine hours, you've known this person nine hours and you're exposing them to everything you have, but you know, vice versa. That's so true. And within those nine hours, I think what happens is you talk about things that you usually don't talk about with another human. Like it, it gets intimate very fast. And so that's what deludes them. That's what makes them start thinking, Oh, I know, I know this person so well, like I've shared with this person things I've never shared with anyone. Well, the reason you did is it, it's like the perfect storm. Everything is coming together. There's secrecy. 
you're you're able to be one-on-one with this person in a virtual world being the computer or tweeting or whatever you're doing and nobody else really knows about this and you don't know how many other people this person is doing this with and i think that's the real danger for for people dating is they don't know and and it could be because anybody can say anything on the dating websites. Actually, they can say anything to your face. When, when you talk about um, behavior, you find out very quickly that people don't, you know, we, maybe, maybe if you're, you know, over 40, you were raised in a time when people were a little bit more face-to-face and honest and you could read them better. But there's, now that has all diminished. It's very difficult to read people now. Gosh, if you go back, like back to like our grandparents' time, right? When they had to get to know each other through letters, you know what I mean? No, that, I want to go back to that. Can we go? Because you figure they'd write each other for like months and months and months before they ever got to like lay eyes on each other, and then you know, even then, it's not like, oh, great, I've been writing you six months, and now we can hit it. It's like, no, we still have to go and you know be in front of all these people, and it, you know, they really didn't get to be intimate, really intimate with one another right. as far as physically until they got married. Mm-hmm. It's really true. You know, and it really, you really did know. So if you've written people passionate letters for six months, I think you get to know them, you know, <laughs> a lot better than a couple of tweets and, and, Especially and with our Yeah, with, with our mail now, by the time they got, you know, it'd be like a week and then another <laughs> like, week. And I actually, I think that'd be a really great idea. But unfortunately, it just doesn't work like that anymore. Everybody's in a big hurry. And they want, you know, every, nobody wants to be alone. I, um... I still think the number one problem for most people that come in, and especially if they've, if they've just broken up with someone or they've had a love in the past and they've not been able to find another one since then, their, their real sadness comes from being alone. Humans don't want to be alone. Everybody wants someone. And I think um, for women and men, it's, it's very true that when you're alone right away in this in our time or our society anyway, you start feeling like there's something wrong with you. If you if you don't feel that way, other people around you remind you of that. Like your parents, you go home for Thanksgiving, for example, we're right around the corner from that. And people, all grandmas and the moms are like, what's the matter with you? How come you're not married? And well, at least tell me you got somebody special. <laughs> when are you going to bring a man home with you? I'm not getting any younger. You know, I want grandkids. <laughs> Sounds like you were. Oh, the pressure, the pressure. I know. And I, if you're one of those women that you are successful in all other areas, it it is a little bit mind-boggling. Like, why haven't you been able to to find somebody now? And And I think... Um, especially for women that are in their early 30s. That's what they want. They want to settle down. They're ready to find someone, to find a man who wants a family. And for guys, they want a woman. They, they basically are ready. Everything's timing, and they're ready to find someone that that's special for them. And I think it's a little bit easier for guys to find a special woman because many women are, you know, they're more socialized to want that a little bit earlier than guys are. In fact, most of the guys complain that they don't, like, they just want a woman that's their friend and doesn't want um, all the family and the marriage and everything, but... Yeah, 
it's friend a little with bit. benefits. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. So you guys, are, that probably is not going to happen. But if you if you do have a question, please tweet us. I'm at Mary Jo Rapini, and um, I've got Maria Todd at Maria Todd, and we're open for questions or concerns you have. So Maria, what are some problems that you typically see with couples or friends that that are related to dating or? Um, breakups or anything of that sort i have the friends that are just the, the too picky thing mm-hmm. i had one girlfriend who admittedly is tall she's 511 mm-hmm. but i don't want to date anybody shorter than me well if you look at the average of the population you kind of are up on one end of the chart and you're up there with a bunch with not a whole lot of people you're really limiting your dating choices if you can only date men 511 or above right and that's a nice a guy that's five ten can't get he yeah. can't get in. That's no because he couldn't make the. He's not tall enough to ride the ride. Yeah, he's. Not. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to be a certain height. A certain height, or people have to make a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. You know, I only want a guy with six figures, or I only want a guy that looks a certain way. And then the thing that's interesting to me about the people that have these, a lot of times they aren't the things that they want from the other person. Oh, I want somebody that's physically fit. Well, you know, maybe you ought to hit a gym, too, yeah. because if you want that person, I'm sure that they're going to want someone that's physically fit as well, especially when we're talking about men, because they're more visual than women are generally, right. and they want their woman to look good, at least good to them. So it's kind of like if you want a gym rat, well, then you need to go to the gym, and then you'll probably meet somebody because you're both working out and have that lifestyle. That's really true. Well, you know, I, I think what I see a lot of, too, and you probably see this, too, is people want to find someone who doesn't have the baggage that broke them up from another relationship. So let's say your let's say that that your past boyfriend or girlfriend cheated on you. Then what you're going to do in your next relationship is you are going to specifically try to be vigilant about not ever finding an un- unfaithful person again. And I can tell you right now, if you do that, you are so going to attract a very unfaithful person. And the reason is because your fear is keeping it so much in the forefront that you will actually attract it. I've seen it so many times that I can't even tell you. So what I recommend in that case is if you dated a cheater in the past, what you need to do is you need to make sure you completely resolve that in therapy and with time so that you don't, so you don't fear it anymore. If you think that you were cheated on and there was no part of it that had anything to do with you, so in other words, I mean, most cheaters act on their own, and, and it's really not the other person's fault. But you can't get over it if you can't accept some of the reason that that person may have cheated or why it may have gone on so long. Maybe you didn't notice it so well. Maybe you were so involved with other things. And I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm saying you have to get very clear of your part because you can't change another person, but you can change the actions you had that perhaps enabled something that hurt you. So whether it's cheating or it's some other thing you broke up over, which could be his mother, her mother, whatever, which the in-laws are usually a big problem with, or or the parents of the person you're dating, they can be a very powerful source. And if, if that relationship is not good, it can many times lead to the destruction of the relationship. I, I did want to go over some things because I think this is really important for 
women and men who are attracted to the wrong type because I hear a lot about that. And, and there's certain people that will date. Maria, you've heard this too because we both have friends that tell us this stuff. Um, they'll date people and they'll find out, oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. Like this person is exactly like my ex. And how did this happen? And there's a very... There's a very clear method to that madness, and it comes in a series of you asking yourself these questions and answering them. So these are the questions that I'm going to ask you, and you can, of course, download this podcast, and you can actually write it down, write these down and really think of them. The first one is, what are you afraid of? So when, what I'm going for is, why do you settle for this type time after time? The second question is, what is your first memory of your mother and father? Write down every image that comes into your mind. The third is, what did your dad say about women or men? And what did the next one is, what did your mom tell you was a woman's or a man's job? What did your, exp- your parents expect out of life? That's very important. And next, how are you benefiting from dating this type? Um, I know this is tough, but we all choose behaviors we benefit from. And if you don't believe that, you can look at any of the addictions that you see. For example, I work a lot with morbid obesity. And the first question I'll ask the patients that come in is, what is this weight doing for you? And they'll look at me kind of like, are you nuts? Like, I'm here so I can lose the weight. And you... You can lose the weight, but you can't lose the weight until you can identify what the weight is doing for you because every human is a creature of comfort and of getting something for the way we are. So no matter what way we behave, there is a reward for it or we would stop doing it. Um, Next, who loves you and why do they love you? You should write down five reasons other people do love you. And next, do you do you love the way you have to look or do you look the way you have to look to attract the type of person you want to attract? If not, what would you have to do to change that? Is it worth doing? And if not, why? With this, I'm thinking about, do you know women who um, get, they'll, they'll get breast augmentations, they'll get plastic surgery, they'll get tummy tucks? And then when you talk to them more, they'll, they'll tell you, well, I just went through a divorce or I just went through a bad breakup and, and I felt like I needed to do this to get back on the market. Well, those women usually are saying, I feel like for me that this is an important thing. So these women are basically doing something to their body to attract a certain kind of man and probably not the best kind because they're going to attract exactly what they had in the past they're going to they're going to attract someone that is that values high more highly their body than how they look or feel about themselves and that's very important because then we're going to look at more the people that do that have a tendency to do that more are also the people that are a little bit more abusive and a little bit more likely to be unfaithful because the body doesn't last very long when it's looking really good. And then you need to depend on the mind and the interests 
And people that are attracted mostly to the body, they, they usually don't develop the part of themselves that are more interested in how it looks underneath the body. So it's really important. That's, that goes back into when we're talking about being picky and everything. And then lastly, when people don't like your girlfriend or boyfriend, what is the reason they give you? And you better listen to that because people, friends or others that look at you and say, you know, I just don't like that guy or that woman you're dating. It's very important to find out why because they usually can see things that you may not necessarily so. Or you may see but be denying because you want the relationship to work. That's right. You want, you're afraid. It goes back to you're afraid of, of being alone. I mean, if we, if we don't get comfortable with that, um, I'd be, personally, I'd be more afraid of being with someone that treated me badly, I think, than, than being alone. But, you know, I haven't been alone. And I think when you're married, it's a little bit easier to say things like that than when you're actually in it. So um, I kind of wanted to go into a little bit too, Maria, the, like what you think is very important about um, signs of breaking up or, or what, what you think about what, what extent women will go to to avoid that or... Um, oh, I've, I've been down the road <laughs> before. I think um, some of the signs are just when people change their behavior towards you. Mm-hmm. If... One time I dated a guy and like clockwork, it it was a long distance relationship, but we would call each other every other day. Like we took turns, like he'd call, I'd call. I mean, through the whole relationship, when things started to get a little rocky, calls start stretching out every Mm -hmm. couple of days, twice a week. You know, he wasn't calling as much. And I didn't feel like, well, I should make up the gap. So that kind of tells you that, okay, I see he's leaving. I'm not doing anything to stop him. You know, and then as it gets farther and farther away, and then eventually, you know, they call, somebody's going to call somebody and say, okay, it's over, or they're going to just disappear, and you realize, okay, they're gone one day. You look up, you know, he hasn't called me in three weeks. (laughs) I guess we're done. But I I think a lot of times men do the disappearing act because they don't want to have that conversation because they're afraid women are going to cry, and they don't know how to handle that. And a lot of times we will cry. And you just have to sit there and take it. Or when we, you know, break up with a guy, the same thing, they're going to be angry. But you just kind of have to sit there and let them yell and get it. I, I feel like you have to let somebody have the la- their last word or their last for their closure. But you only have to let them have it happen once. Yeah. I'm not saying let this be an ongoing thing where they're calling you every time they've had a couple of cocktails and yelling at you because you broke up with them. But that one time, you know, they want to complain about this, that, or whatever, I feel like you can let them get it off their chest. Yeah. And then you both move on. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really interesting because I, you know, I think that um, women many times think that, you know, in relationships that guys get out the easiest. Like they have the relationship more a little bit how they want it and they don't worry so much about, you know, because there's always so many choices. It seems like it's easier for guys to get women than than it is for women to get guys but you know during a breakup guys actually have a harder time than women do and emotionally guys do guys do very poorly and they basically have more physical symptoms they turn more to destructive things like alcohol and medicating with women and they don't get over it i they they make it look like they're getting over it 
but they don't give, get over it as quickly as women. They don't have the support system we do because in our society it's frowned on guys crying or really showing any kind of emotions like that that would be considered feminine or soft. Right. So all they can do is, yeah, man, it's over. Oh, man, want to have a beer? I mean, that's all they get to do. They don't get to sit down with somebody and cry it out and tell them how they feel and go over everything the way women do you know, with our friends, and then they're there to drag you out and make you go out and do, let's go out and go shopping, let's go out and get our hair done, let's go and do some positive things to make you feel good about yourself so that you can have that support until it, you know, get you get back up on your feet, your heart's, you know, it's not mended, but at least you can still get back out there again and consider dating again. Guys kind of mope around, and it can be months. I think everybody has a story of a guy friend um, that at some point, you know, they broke up with some girl years and years and years ago, but will get drunk or, you know, get sick or something. And, you know, I wonder whatever happened to so-and-so. They'll still bring up her name years later. I don't find girlfriends that do that. You know, it's so bizarre because I, you know, I think most of the time, what I'm so amazed at is most of my clients are men. And when I see how men suffer, when men really fall in love, it it is incredible. It's so deep. And I... Most women undervalue that. They undervalue how emotional men are. Men are much more, um, what I was reading in this article that that came to me and it was really well-researched, is that when men are going through pain or they're going through a breakup, their heart rate, their blood pressure, and every their respirations goes up much higher than a than a woman's. I mean, a woman will react also, and it. But the guys will will react a little bit more physically, but a woman's will come down faster. The guy stays up where it's elevated. So that tells you that once once they feel it and their body is responding, their bodies don't return to the normal heart rate or pulse rate as quickly as women. So it's almost like the guy is going through a much more traumatic event from the breakup. And, you know, I ran this support group for men who have gone through a through a, um, a wife leaving, and my goodness, I, I just could not believe it. That group, you know, it was one of those where you came in and you just kept coming as much as you needed to. It was once every two weeks. I couldn't believe it. Those guys stayed in that group forever because what they told me was that when they're suffering, other guys are very uncomfortable about how to nurture them. So they said the the reason they usually hook up right away with a woman is more that she'll be able to emotionally comfort them. Like they can usually tell the woman about their ex and she'll be able to to help them process that. Whereas another guy will just be like, oh man, you not, you need to get over this. You're still talking about her? What's the matter with you? And kind of shaming them about the, the depth of feelings they have. And so that's why many times when guys, you know, this group was all about, you know, giving them healthy options like exercise, like going to the library, like I would give them assignments that they had to go do so they were distracted. But at the same time, what they ended up talking about more was just that emptiness that they felt. And because because they knew getting a woman or medicating with a rebound was not going to help them in the long run and may potentially make it worse, they were really trying to follow suit. Whereas women will, women will have a rebound, but it's 
it's not usually as quickly and it's not as they may not go all the way with a rebound. They might get close, but they'll go, wait a minute, wait a minute, I can't. Whereas a guy will usually follow through and it gets to the point where he's doing it mostly out of an action. Like he thinks it's going to help him feel better, but of course it doesn't. Yeah. So it's just a bandaid on a on a gaping it's, wound and it's it, not going to help. It's really true. And I, you know, ladies, if you knew that up front, like when I think a lot of women suffer more because after a breakup, they'll see the guy they were with out and he'll be hanging on someone or, or obviously with her. And that will just make the woman feel worse. But if she could understand maybe that that was more of his sense of trying to comfort himself and that was a real thing then um, he, she will be more accepting of it. And before, really before you go out again after dating, you should, really should go through a cool-down period. I like it if you, if you wait a year, if it was a significant relationship. <laughs> but I know nobody does a year. that. Mary Jo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, you know, you just you start feeling bad about yourself. if you. But honestly, if you waited a year, you probably would be doing much better. You'd probably have better luck at, at choosing a really good person. Now, after. when you say wait a year, do you mean wait a year to date again or just wait a year to get intimate with someone again? Well, I mean really dating and intimate because, you know, it's different if you just go out with friends. But if you say, if you know, it's very hard for a woman because basically if you get close to a man and you become good friends, sex is going to come into the picture. I think. I think one way or another there will be somewhat of a sexual tension, and that means you have to be strong enough to talk about it. it when it comes up that you don't either A, just you know leave the relationship because that's not something you want, or B, feel too awkward and end up in a sexual relationship you never wanted, where women seem to have a harder time talking about it. So it'd be nice. My fantasy is after a breakup, you would be able to have guy friends, but you would tell them up front, uh, listen, you know, I this is not going to be sexual. I, I just need to hang out with a guy. I need a guy's perspective, and I want somebody I can go to coffee with or whatever, but I'm not planning on having sex with you because I'm, I'm not a whole person. If you, if you waited until you were really whole again, you would, you would do much better because most people that break up, they don't think they're whole. They're missing another half. And it takes a long time to make you feel like you are. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, if you if you kind of wait around and get involved with other things and other people, uh, it will help you figure out who you are and what you are. So, so now let's talk about dating and sex because we that's really important. What do you think, Maria? When should you have sex on a date? Well, I don't think it should be on the first one. <laughs> Good gracious. Um, I don't know. I, I know you say six months. I, I say the six months you really know. Well, you know what you're getting, and that's important. I think it also it depends on what your purpose is in dating this person. For instance, if you're dating somebody that you see a long-term future with or you think you might want to see a future with, I would recommend waiting as long as you can possibly wait. So the the more involved you are, the more the longer you the would, longer you would wait. Yeah, I like that. As opposed to somebody who's like, you know, you're fun, but you know, I I can't see myself settling down and getting a house with you. Then have fun, you know, mm-hmm. be protect yourself if you if and if you want to. I mean, don't feel pressured into it by the other person. But if it's something you choose to do, then you can go ahead and do that. But then 
remember that this isn't the long-term guy and don't get yourself all hung up. And I think that's the problem for women is once we start to be intimate with someone, then it's hard to disengage from them. That's, I, I mean, I, they, anybody can say what they want, but women and men are wired very differently sexually. And I, I have yet to meet a woman who really her whole objective is just to have sex. When women have sex, um, something happens to us on another level. And we, it's very hard to, to say that you don't love this person or you don't care about this person and have sex with them. And I, you know, I kind I, I actually really like that about being a woman. I, I wouldn't want it that it could ever be casual for me. I would want, I don't, I'm always grateful that I feel that way, that if, if it were someone I was going to have sex with, it would be somebody really special. So I would never, I would never want sex with somebody I didn't think I was going to end up in a long-term relationship with. You're a better woman than I am. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> I just think I used to always say when we were when when I was out dating that it's like if you mm-hmm. if you try to have you know fun like uncommitted sex you you can't do it with the person three the same person three times because if you do you're attached to them and you're going to make that into some type of relationship in your head even if the other person isn't feeling that way yeah so it's if you're gonna do it you have to you have to really be a a a bad girl mm-hmm. and and do it once and walk away and not look back but i don't think many women can do that with many men and it's, it you know you end up in some really tight situations go with the mary joe way and you can avoid <laughs> a lot of trouble well you know it's really interesting cuz as an intimacy sex therapist i will say that i think many people have a misconception that a that someone that did sex therapy would be um would be very um I don't know, maybe maybe more loose with the idea of sexuality or are less less conservative with it. But when you work with sexuality and intimacy, one thing that you understand very clearly is the power in it. And what I tell my couples all the time is you can always have great intimacy and sex if you're willing to wait. The key is when when you rush in, when you do anything intimate fast, it's destroyed. And it is because the best sex and intimacy happens when the couple is so solid. Because for a woman, women have sex when they feel secure. They, when they're secure, they feel uninhibited, they're less stressed, and that's when they enjoy sex more. Guys are a little bit the opposite. Guys seem to enjoy sex when there is stress. And they, because they don't have the attachment as much with emotion, it would work, it would work easier for them. So the guy's job when you're dating is always to be pushing. He's always supposed to be the seeker. He's supposed to go after it. And his job is to keep trying to get you as a woman to have sex because what that does is it makes a woman feel desired and it's also a normal cycle we're all used to but what happens is once the woman says yes then all the dynamics change because you know women are the gatekeeper and when a woman says yes then most likely sex will happen you can never go back word in a relationship no you, once that horse is out of the barn, it's, it's out. Once it's out, it's out. And if the if there was an area of the foundation 
that was based on a faulty beam, if you will, if we are building a house, uh, it will you will see it very clearly after sex because when after a woman ha- has sex, especially sometimes, well, guys are affected too, but not to the extent women are. Um, once she has sex, everything about the relationship changes for her, and any any feeling she has of uh, possession or you know securing this relationship are going to start being acted out and that's that many times just that emotional acting that out is what destroys the relationship because all of a sudden she becomes jealous she becomes um, less trusting she starts clinging to him more kind of you know he says pestering but it's just that she's clinging she's watching his contacts more all of a sudden you used to the guy used to be able to text whatever he wanted now all of a sudden she's like who are you texting you know who is that why are you texting them and most men that were just like wait a minute we used to be a great couple and and you know everything's changed now it's because she she acquiesced a little bit too soon it's like you give up a little power in the relationship. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I don't like to call it power because and I, I, think, I think women do use sex as a power. Like it's an, but I think what you give up is you give up, um, once you have sex, you give up the, the chance that what you're basically saying is it's as solid intimately as it can be before we mm-hmm. have sex. And you're, so it's kind of like in a way you're giving up on the depth. You're happy with the depth. When, when so we're I, cutting ourselves off, kind of. Exactly. I tell women, don't have sex until you're happy with the depth. And the, they, many times they'll go, what does that mean? I'll go, well, when you're happy with the amount of intimacy that's in the relationship, when it's enough for you, uh, then you can. And I, what I'm seeing more is some women need a deep level of intimacy, and some women don't need it that deep, can be on the surface or more <laughs> superficial. And maybe that's our difference for me. I just, I just know I, in my own personal life, I really I, I like the depth of, of the foundation because I know in my mind that that's going to feed me. And everybody's a little different with that. But I think... Part of the problem is a lot of it depends on where you came from. If you came from a family that was maybe um, a dad that wasn't involved or a mom that wasn't involved and there was more, more chaos in the family, you may settle for less depth because in the depth comes all the things that you were never modeled. In other words, the family was chaotic, so it wasn't, it never got loving and deep. So you may actually get more uncomfortable if there's a deepness in it. And, and that's why a lot of kids, you know, they're a little bit more immature and erratic. They have sex way too soon. And we're trying to, when we counsel teens, especially about dating, that's one of the things we're trying to, um, trying to explain to them that go for the friendship, make sure it's as good of a friendship as possible because we know now that if if we can get teens to wait until they're in college to have sex they're going to make better choices and they're going to have a better experience and you know you want a good experience with sexuality yeah the first time should be special yeah and you have teens right 
Yes. Um, I have two stepchildren that are 14 and 16. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, I, that time before they start dating and before they, they get serious about mm-hmm. it is so special. Like, that's the time to talk to them about relationships. I don't think you should wait until they're already in a relationship or they're already dating to tell them how to date because they're not going to listen. They may not even listen when it's pre-dating, but at least you're trying to imprint them before they actually get out there. And the 16-year-old is a boy, and he had his first heartbreak. And it was just, and it was over religion of all things, which is a big, deep topic, you would think, for teenagers. Yes. But what you were saying about faith earlier is Mm -hmm. very important. It's faith, money, sex. Mm -hmm. Those things are the things that you really have to have the same mind on right to have a relationship stand otherwise it'll just blow it apart right i i think well that goes into that whole communication like the the three things that can really break up a relationship are the same ones that break up a marriage and it's you know poor communication poor intimacy and poor um money issues money issues and faith is right underneath that but they put faith in with communication because you know, if you're same faith or at least tolerant of one another's faith, you'll end up much happier and, you know, just yeah. deeper. So, so Maria, we, we are going to do another podcast, but we're out of time for this one. Our next podcast is going to be all about, um, what are we talking about next? Dating with children. Oh, yeah. Dating if you have kids and the second time around because yes. the stakes are higher the second time around. So, um, Maria, how can we get a hold of you? Um, you can reach me on Twitter at Maria Todd or same way on Facebook. I'm okay. me everywhere. So. Okay. Do you have a website or anything, Maria, that you want to promote? or? Uh, it's mariatodd.net. Oh, okay. Okay. So that will be really good for anybody listening. If you want to get a hold of Maria, it's at Maria Todd Twitter and the same for Facebook. And your email is at mariatodd.net. It's mariatodd.net. Oh, mariatodd.net. There you go. And for me, it's maryjoerapini.com or tweeting at maryjoerapini. And Facebook is the same, Facebook, Mary Jo Rapini. And it's been wonderful being with you. Hang on for the next podcast we're going to do about the second time around with kids. Thanks a lot.